Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, our guest speaker, Joe Lemont, had a special message for you called How to Not Miss the Move of God. We don't want to miss the move of God, do we? Lord, open our eyes and ears to your move in our lives this week. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Well, how are y'all doing this morning? Good, Pastor Andrew. Thanks for asking. Awesome, man. It is so good uh, to be here uh, in the middle of summer. And we have so many uh, exciting, exciting things happening here. Um, in case you haven't noticed, um, Pastor CJ and Cheryl are not here. They're on vacation. Um, and <laughs> so I have my phone, and this is a little insider for you. I have my phone up here, and that's our, our monitor mix, right? And, um, and so um, we're, we're doing worship, and all of a sudden, Pastor CJ texts me, we're watching you. <laughs> Uh, and so, so at first I went, I looked right into the camera. I don't know which one, but I w- looked right in the camera. And then I realized there was a delay, so he probably has no idea. <laughs> and then, but one thing they did want um, to make sure that we say is uh, they, they wanted to make sure you, uh, that we said that they say hello. They're having a great time uh, right now. I think they're they might be in Memphis. Um, I had a call pastor last night, um, and I was like about to be like, I'm so sorry to bug you. Like, I know you're on your vacation, and he's like. And he answers, what up, what up, what up? <laughs> He's like, do you hear this blues music? <laughs> and so they're having such a good time. And uh, I love, I love, I love talking to Pastor CJ on the phone. Um, I, get, I have the uh, privilege of uh, introducing our, our guest speaker today. Um, and so this, this is a man that, uh, this is, it's a really easy introduction for me. Um, this is a man that, uh, that I can always, uh, oh, man, I'm getting emotional talking. <laughs> this is a man that I can always go to um, for wisdom whenever I need uh, help uh, spiritually. If I have a, a question of how to, how to handle a specific situation, how to, uh, just a, a big stage. Um, I've, we, my wife and I have gone through a lot of different life stages throughout the past couple of years. And so this is a man that, that I've always come to with, with um with help and asking his his wisdom uh, in these situations, this is a man who uh, who preaches the word of God, who uh, who asks the Holy Spirit uh, to be with him, who uh, takes the time to um, to pray and and uh, receive uh, the Holy Spirit as he as he's preaching. And so, um, I have the honor to introduce uh, my father-in-law, Pastor Joe Lemon. Can you guys give it up for him? Come on. Thank you, Andrew. Yes, sir. They did a great job up there today. Amen. Sweet. Well, good morning. Good morning, pastors. I see you. No, I don't see you, but you see us. Praise the Lord. Well, before we go any further, let me just open with a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus for your presence here in this room. Thank you for your presence in each life that's here, God. Lord, we look forward to what you want to do in our midst. We thank you what, for what you've already done and are accomplished, Lord, through the time of uh, fellowship and praise and worship, Lord. We just look forward to what more you have for us. We give you all the thanks and the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. How's everybody doing? Did I hear a little guait back there? 
Gosh, I'm struggling here a little bit with this flat table. I'm not sure what, I know. Oh, my prop is here. I got a better response at the first service than that. <laughs> it's pretty good, huh? Look at this. Not bad. It's a nice prop. And you'll see as we go on with the service, this has a little more meaning than just helping me to prop open my, my notes. So that maybe will become clear as we, as we move along. So is everybody having a good summer? Yeah? Hasn't it been awesome outside? Awesome weather. I mean, whatever it is, I love it because it's summertime and it's not 20 degrees below zero and the wind is howling and, oh my gosh, that's coming in just a few short months. So get out and enjoy it now while you can. Man, do stuff outside. Enjoy nature. Enjoy what God made for us. Amen? Ah, uh, yes. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to bring the word this morning. How many know that God is moving? God is moving. How many know God's always been moving and he's still moving? He hasn't stopped. He hasn't changed. He hasn't slowed down. He hasn't done anything different. The only thing different is us. So just to announce right now, God is moving. He was moving in the worship time. Man, some of you guys are lively. He was moving in the first service. Uh, I talked to some folks afterwards, and God moved on them. And he's been moving in there. In a, one couple in particular that's new, uh, God's moving in their life big time. It was awesome to hear that. So he's still on the move. What is a move of God, you might say? What's he talking about? God is moving. Well, move of God can be many different things. So just to clarify quickly, a corporate move of God would be when he moves across a congregation or a church. The book of Acts was the very first move of God in the New Testament. And God moved in a mighty way. And we're actually going to be looking at some of that in just a little bit here. But what we want to talk about this morning is how not to miss a move of God. Because just as sure as he moves, we can actually miss it if we're not careful. So I've got like four, maybe five points, things that we can look at in our own life to make sure we don't miss it. Amen. And also, so he moves corporately and he moves personally. He moves in each one of our hearts. And I, like I shared in the first service, his whole goal in a corporate move of God or in a citywide move of God or whatever it is, is, is to reach individuals. So this is what he's after right here. Whether he's moving through a whole church and a whole body or whether he just comes to visit you today, he wants to revive us. Amen? So I'm just here to tell you, God is moving. You may not realize that, but he is and he wants to do even more. Okay, we got that out of the way. Uh, let's just look back really quick. It's not going to be on your screen. I'm just going to read this to you. You might say, well, a move is, is this new thing. I don't know about that. Well, the new move of God is actually very old. Okay, so let's look in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, and see what the move of God was. Just briefly, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the seas and the deep. 
And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's the very first move of God we read about in this Bible. The Spirit of God was hovering at the very beginning, before any of this existed, when it was formless and void. The Spirit of God was there. The Father was there. Jesus was there. The Spirit was there. And you know what? That same Spirit that hovered over those waters is hovering over us and in us right now. How sweet is that? Think about that. The God who created the earth and the Holy Ghost is here right now. Matter of fact, he says he's in our hearts, isn't he? He's inside of us. It says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, our bodies are the buildings of the Holy Spirit. And he's here and he's hovering. So why did I say all that? Well, when God moves, we need to move. Amen? You can read about the Old Testament in the, in the tabernacle. They had that movable church made out of animal skins. And when God moved, which he did do quite often, they'd pack it all up and put it on the four-wheelers and go across the desert. And they would move with God. And when God stopped, they would stop. They didn't really have four-wheelers, did they? Camels, horses, men, everybody carried it. But when God moved, they moved with him. When God moves, we need to move as well. When he's doing a thing that's new, we need to do that thing as well. And his new things are very old things. Let's not miss it, amen? So let's just look at some things, some points that might prevent you from receiving God's move in your life. Or you might word it, from receiving God's best in your life. Who wants the best from God? I do. Or maybe... You could say preventing God's fullness in our lives. We want God's fullness in our lives. I do. So number one, thinking that this is all there is. Oh, did you see the wood on the screen up there? Behind the... <laughs> tied in. My prop tied in with the back screen. That's God. God moved on me this morning when I was leaving my driveway. We were going out to the car. I had no idea I was going to do this. I was walking by my wood pile. I said, I'm going to grab a chunk of wood to use as a little prop. And look at that. It's on the screen as well. Actually, I knew that would be on the screen last night. But I did not know I was going to bring a piece of wood. Side note, sorry. What do they call those, rabbit trails? Could it be important, though? So thinking of, uh, that this is all of that there is, if you've been living in a place like that, in less than God's best for your life, that's important to know. It's important to know that if you're living in a place that's not good, and obviously not God's fullness or very best for you, it's important to know that there's more, amen? amen. Not everybody in this room knows that, believe it or not. Maybe you're brand new. Maybe you don't know that it's going to change. God's got something in store for you, I'm telling you. If you've been living in apathy, if you've been around for a while, if you've been living in indifference, what do I mean by indifference? Indifferent to things that are happening around us. Indifferent 
that souls are going to hell every day. When you get that way, you just, it's like, it's just me, me and God, we're okay. That means you're indifferent to what's happening around you, what's happening in the world. We don't want to be indifferent, but you can find yourself in that place. You can find yourself in a place of lukewarmness. We don't want to be lukewarm. Hot is good. Hot is healing. Actually, we could do a whole morning on just those three things, hot, cold, and lukewarm. I'm not going to even go there. That's another rabbit trail. But hot is good. It brings healing. Hot, hot is a balm for people. Cold is really good. Cold is a refreshment for us, for our bodies, for our, for our souls. Amen. I love a glass of cold water, a bottle of cold water. Mmm. Oh, that's good. I wish this was lukewarm. No, nobody wants lukewarm drink, do they? But you can find yourself in that place. But thinking that this is all there is, I shared this in the first service as well. About five years ago, give or take, I don't know, four to six, seven years ago, I had a dream. And at the time I had the dream, I didn't know it was a special dream. I tend to have dreams a lot. And uh, in the middle of this dream, God showed me that it wasn't just a regular dream, but it was a spiritual dream. How many have spiritual dreams? The Bible says your old men will dream dreams. Oh, yeah. I'm getting old, but I'm dreaming. Everett, you dreaming? Yeah. Your young men will have visions. Sometimes your young men will have dreams and your old men will have uh, visions. It, God mixes it up, right? Anyway, I had this dream. And in this dream, I was on a gentle hillside. And some of you have heard this. I've shared it from right here before. But it impacted my life so mightily, I want to share it again because I think it'll help you. I was on a hillside, and it was kind of tall grass, like a big prairie grass, golden in the fall, just beautiful, waving in the wind. And there were some trees around and the colors. You know how the colors are in the fall. Beautiful day. Sun was shining, some puffy clouds. My family was with me. And I don't know if we were having a picnic. I don't remember why we were there, but we were there. And all of a sudden I had, oh, a hot air balloon comes over. How many love hot air balloons? Big colorful thing. And it's drifting through the sky. And pretty soon I can't see it anymore. You know, it's over the horizon. And then I realized in my dream that if I just walked up this little slope, my horizon would change. And I might, maybe I'll catch a glimpse of this hot air balloon again. So I started walking up this hill wasn't steep, very gradual. And I got up to the, what I found out to be the top, and I realized I was standing at a precipice, and it was a big, big, it was like the Grand Canyon. How many have been to the Grand Canyon? You know what I'm talking about. It's huge, and it's deep. I had no clue that there was a Grand Canyon literally 100 yards from where we were having our picnic. But I walked up there, and I was like, you guys, come up here and see this. Be careful, but come up and see this. I could see for miles and miles and miles, beautiful trees. And there was a hot air balloon. I could see it again, drifting. And it was just awesome. And this is about the time when God showed me that I was having a spiritual dream. And he said, I'm showing you this to show you that there's more. There's more. It wasn't even necessarily that I was in a bad place where I came from. You can be in a perfectly good place, but God tells you there's more. He wants you to take a step. Sometimes all it is is a simple step to the left 
or a, a simple step to the right, and he gives you a whole brand new perspective. Amen? How many know what I'm talking about? We don't want to miss the move of God because we're stuck in one place. We don't want to miss the move of God because we're stubborn. Maybe we're like a, an old piece of wood. Not like this wood. This one split really easy. I barely had to put the axe to this, the splitting mall, and it just busted wide open. But how many have ever split wood and it's all gnarly and full of knots? And you can't hardly even get a wood splitter to go that thing. Finally, you just keep whittling away at it and you get little chunks off and you get it small enough to fit in your stove. But there ain't no way that thing's cracking open. We can get that way. Our hearts can get hard. Our lives can get hard and, and just covered up with knots and different things. God wants it so that when he brings the axe to our life, we just bust open. It's a good prop. I didn't say that in the first service either. This is fresh move, amen? <laughs> so thinking that that's all there is, not a good thing. I'm speaking to somebody here that's stuck in the mud, and you need to move. You know you need to move, and God's speaking to you right now. Let's look in uh, the Gospel of John. Chapter 5, I'm going to read something to you. Now, I'm old school. I like, to, uh, I like to read it off the page, so you guys can read it up there, or if you have your Bible, you can read it in your Bible. If you have your phone, you can follow along on your phone. I remember the first time I saw that, I was preaching. Some girl's a couple rows back. She's on her phone. I was like, what is she doing? She's not paying any attention. Well, actually, she was. She was following along. I think it was Justine, now that I think about it. I was like, Justine? She's like, no, I have the Bible on my phone. This was years ago. Another guy once fell asleep. I was preaching. He was sitting right here. Falls asleep. And I was brand new at doing this. Not a good booster for uh, the morale or encouragement. I was just reminded of this between services. A lady came up to me and said, man, I'm sorry, I have narcolepsy. I was like, what did you, I didn't notice her. She was sitting over here. I didn't notice she fell asleep. She goes, no, but I was nodding off. And that reminded me of that guy. He actually had narcolepsy. He told me after the service, he goes, I'm sorry, I have narcolepsy. You just fall asleep. I felt better after that. <laughs> that had nothing to do with the sermon either. <laughs> Thinking that that's all there is. Oh, John, chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is Aramaic, is called Bethesda. And it's surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Friends, that's a long time. He'd been an invalid for 38 years. Now, I don't know how long he was hanging out at the pool, but I had a feeling he'd been there a while. Doesn't give us all the details. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? What kind of a question is that, right? Well, number one, Jesus knows everything. 
Of course he wanted to get well. You notice how pointed Jesus is? Do you want to get well? Jesus isn't afraid of asking us questions because he brings us right to the point of what he's about to do here. And he said, sir, he replied, I have no one here to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. Sometimes it takes Jesus to actually get us in the water. It does. Sometimes we can get in there on our own, but sometimes we need help. Jesus is more than willing to pick you up and set you in the water. Because what it was back then, well, there was this pool, and every once in a while, we don't know how often this happened, it doesn't say. Uh, some believe it was at the feast time, special seasons of the year. The angel would come down and stir that water, and the first person in, boom, healed, no matter what their problem was. Can you imagine being that guy, wanting to get in that water? Well, Jesus came along. Aren't you glad that Jesus comes alongside of us? Hallelujah. This whole thing is actually leading up to what happens after this. He was making a spectacle of the Pharisees, but that's another day. But don't miss it. Jesus will help you if you're stuck. Number two. You can miss God if you're not listening. Now, the only thing you're going to see up on the screen is the scriptures. I got all the secret notes right here. You can miss God if you're not listening. We looked at the move of God at the very beginning in the book of Genesis when he hovered over the water. And you can read this Old Testament. God moved all the time. You can read about it in the book of Acts when Jesus would move and the, and the Holy Ghost would move, full of movement. In Acts 1, Jesus made a promise. He promised the disciples. He said, go and wait. I'm going to come to you. He made a promise. So after Jesus was crucified and he hung on the cross and he died and he was buried, it says there were times when they would be meeting together and all of a sudden Jesus would be there in their midst. Jesus would appear. He appeared to a lot of people. He appeared to a lot of people and he, and he talked to them and he told them things. And he ate with them. But he started to appear to them. That's a new thing. That had never happened before. Jesus was brand new. How many know we, uh, the church is in a constant state of change? It really is. Sometimes it might not look that way if you're not more intimately involved in it. But the church is constantly changing. God's always doing something new. It's a new adventure. Our Christian life should be exciting. It shouldn't be boring. It should be exciting. If, you're, if your life's boring, just get a hold of the Holy Spirit because he'll make it exciting. God wants you to have an exciting life. It should be. So in Act 1, he made the promise that they would receive power and that they would be witnesses. 
And then in Acts chapter 2, we're not going to read all these because we'd be here all day. In Acts chapter 2, he fulfills his promise. The power comes. It says there was a violent wind in the room. Violent wind. It was like a tornado came in that room. Tongues of fire were on top of each person there. Tongues of fire. Friend, that was new. That was brand new. They were like, what is going on here? And they began to speak in other tongues. How cool is that? Brand new. And then they sat back down in their chairs and they waited for the next move of God. Nope. They didn't do that, did they? They went out and they started telling people. And people started hearing what was going on. And the world was about to be flipped upside down because of what Jesus was doing brand new. So in Acts 2, the power comes. All these crazy things happen. When God moves in your life, go with him, amen? Don't hog the blessing. You can be a blessing hog if you want to be, but if you do, it'll dry up. We got to give it out. We got to give it out. We're like a, we're like a, a straw or a tube and God's pouring in and he doesn't want us to pinch that off and save it for ourselves. That was never meant for that. He wants us to give it out. The more you give out, the more it comes in. The more you give out, the more it comes in. God's doing something new every day. Let's look at Acts 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven... He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. And there it is. Listen carefully to what I say. He gives them a heads up before he even starts talking about it. Listen carefully to what I say. That's important to note that. Whenever somebody says, listen carefully to you, do, you, do we listen carefully? Sometimes it takes like three times when Don tells me something, then she'll be like, Joe, listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you. Because she knows by my reaction or non-action that I haven't heard what she said. Anybody else like that? And she'll be like, listen carefully. This is important. And then I, you know what I do? I listen carefully because something important is going to be said. So he raised his voice. He got loud. And then he went on, and I'm, we're not going to read this either. We could read all day. But he goes on and he talks about the prophet Joel, that he prophesied what was about to happen. He recites some of their own history to them, tells them what they already knew had taken place. And then let's get over to Acts 2, verse 36. Let's take it up right there. It says, therefore, let all of Israel be assured that this, of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, yikes, that'll get your attention, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what must we do? And Peter replied, replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness 
of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, for the forgiveness of sins. Awesome. Very good. I love you. You're an encourager. Amen? That's right. Are you listening? Were they listening? They were. Are we listening today? He had told them just in the paragraph before that they were living in a corrupt generation and they needed to save themselves from the corruptness of that generation. You know what? Who knows that we're living in a corrupt generation? We're living in a corrupt generation. Now, some of you would argue all day long that this is the most corrupt generation that's ever been. I, I'm not here to argue that with you. We definitely live in a corrupt time. It was definitely a corrupt time then. There's been corruptness over the earth since the beginning of time when Adam and Eve first took a bite of the apple. It was corrupt then, it's corrupt now. It might seem worse, but it's corrupt. He said, save yourselves. Save yourself by how? By receiving Christ. Receive Christ in your heart and save yourself. That was the hard word he gave them. This Jesus whom you crucified. That was a hard word, friends. How many know that this Bible is full of really good stuff? And there's some really hard words in here too. But we take the whole counsel of God, amen? Some of the words are hard and they're tough, but if we apply them to our lives, friends, he died for our sins 2,000 years ago. It was my sin that crucified him. Everett, your sin crucified Jesus. Don, your sin crucified Jesus. Every one of us, if we haven't received Christ, yes, it was 2,000 years ago, but he says he died for the whole sins of the whole world. Not only the whole world then, but the whole world until he comes back again. Jesus died for our sins. That's a tough thing to hear if you've never heard it before. The foundation of your Christian life has to be Jesus died for my sin. That's it. There's a lot more that comes after that, but Jesus died for my sin. That has to be the foundation of your life. Not he came to give me a good life. Not to remove my problems. Not to give me prosperity. Not this, not that. All of those things, hey, we get. But it's not for the milk and the honey that he came to give us. It's came, he came to give us forgiveness of our sins. And when we get the forgiveness of our sins and we come into his kingdom, all those other things, they just start to come too. The milk and the honey, they come afterwards. It's just a good foundational thought to keep in your mind of why am I here? He saved me from my sin and he saved me from myself. Can anybody else say he saved you from yourself? 
He saved me. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. That day that they said yes. I'm sure they, glad, they were glad they didn't have a what if moment. Oh, if we would just have listened to Jesus. In a few minutes, we're gonna look at a crowd who didn't listen to him and the rest of their life, their left, rest of their lives, they had to live, live with a what if moment. What if I would have given my heart to Jesus? What if I would have said yes to him? How would my life be different today? Number three, you can miss God's move if you're living with the fear of man. You can miss the move of God if you're living with the fear of man. This is for somebody here. I love it. Reading these stories in the New Testament, Jesus is walking around. People are following him. Crowds of people, thousands of people were following him. Zacchaeus, little guy. Bible says he was just a small, of small stature. He heard that Jesus was coming. What did Zacchaeus do? He climbs a tree. He didn't care. He was going to get to Jesus. Zacchaeus was a tree climber. Any of you tree climbers when you were young? Maybe some of you still climb trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see those hands. I still like climbing trees. I love Zacchaeus. How about the two blind beggars sitting by the side of the road? They heard Jesus is coming. They heard it. There's crowds coming. I'm sure it was dusty. They heard Jesus was coming. What do they do? Jesus, have mercy on me. And they told him to be quiet and to leave him alone. And they cried out even louder, Jesus, have mercy on me. Amen. They had no fear because they knew they had a need. And they weren't going to let anybody get in the way of that need being met. And Jesus did. He healed them. He healed them. The crippled man heard Jesus was in town. He's preaching in somebody's house. He's sharing the good news. He's teaching. He's crippled. He's like the guy at the pool. He couldn't get around. He talks his friends into carrying his mat up onto the roof. And they dig a hole in the roof. And they lower him down. Now that was something new. I bet they never... <laughs> I bet they'd never seen that before. We start having some plaster going on here. We know we got somebody digging in. <laughs> Friends, they weren't he wasn't afraid to do something out of the normal, to get to Jesus. Can you imagine that? It was probably like a sawed dirt roof. I don't know if they had to use a pickaxe ever to get through that baby. But they bust a hole in the roof, and his friends lower him down to Jesus, and Jesus heals him. Sometimes it takes other people to help you get there. Sometimes Jesus himself will set you in the pool. Sometimes it takes friends. Sometimes it takes brothers and sisters in the Lord to come alongside of you and pick up your mat and carry you to Jesus. That's something to think about. That's enough right there to think about for the rest of the day. Don't worry about other people. Don't worry about what they might say. You need to receive God's move in your life. Do you want him this morning? Do you have a need in your life? Do you need God? Are you desperate for him? Are you ready to open up a roof? I bet all three of those examples are so glad they didn't have a what if moment. Oh, what if I would have listened to the crowd and just 
not climbed up that tree. Come down out of that tree, Zacchaeus. Jesus doesn't care about you. What about those two blind beggars? I bet they're glad they didn't wait and not say anything, and he was already gone down the road, and it was too late. They didn't have a what-if moment. The guy who got lowered through the ceiling, no what-if moments for him, man. He's walking, carrying his own mat. I bet he was glad. Fear of man, it'll keep you from God's move. Don't leave home without him. Amen? Don't leave church without him. Don't leave church without him. I was sharing in the first service, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the parking lot on my way home, or maybe the next day and I run into somebody from church and they're just like down, this big need, maybe, maybe they need healing or whatever it might be. And I'd be like, did you get prayer? No. Well, it's good to get prayer in the parking lot or other places, but man, if you're in church and God's moving, don't wait. If the anointing's here, get prayer, Amen. You need, to, you need to get him when he's near. Point number four, I'm moving quickly. Aaron, this one's for you. Point number four, only because she asked me a question about it. Because I said point number four was greed. Well, basically, what's my point? Don't be greedy. Because greed can keep you from a move of God. Let's read in Acts 5. Let's turn over another chapter. You can read chapter 4 later. Every chapter is full of the Spirit of God moving. But chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. How many know who they are? Well, the rest of you are in for a treat. Ananias and Sapphira. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. See, what was happening then in the early church is there was a lot of people, there was a lot of needs, and sometimes there'd be a need, so somebody would sell a piece of property. Maybe Everett has got 120 acres, and he decides, you know what, I don't need 120 acres, I'm going to sell half of it. <laughs> and he sells half, and he gives the money to the church. And that's what they were doing back then. And it says that the needs of everybody were being met because people were faithful to do those kinds of things. So here's Ananias and Sapphira, they also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. He brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Seems pretty good on the surface. Getting into the story, yeah, they sold some property, gave it to the church, laid it down. Then Peter said, Ananias, Ananias how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think you could do such a thing? You have not lied to man, but to God. Can you imagine? When Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. When then, then the young men came, and fo they came forward, wrapped up his body, and they carried him out, and they buried him. See you later, Ananias. You messed up, dude. That's some severe, some, some severe stuff. About three hours later, it gets better. You guys reading ahead? Don't you read ahead. 
About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you, you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in, and finding her dead, they carried her out. And they buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Friends, right in the middle of the biggest move of God, probably that had ever happened in history, certainly in the New Testament, middle of God, thousands of people coming to the Lord. Miracles. Shadows healing the sick. Peter's shadow. Huge move of God right in the middle of it. Ananias and Sapphira missed it because of greed. Sad. Sad commentary. What is greed? I just wrote down what I think it is. What can I get out of it? That's a pretty simple explanation of greed. What, what can I get out of it? Out of what? Whatever. It's not just about money. You can have greedy ambition. You can have a greedy ambition. You can even be greedy in your service to God. You can be greedy in your service to God. When God starts moving in a church... And, and awesome things are taking place, be careful. Because greed will, will raise up its head. I, I said this in the first service, and I'll say it again now. If you're in a position of leadership, if you're on the worship team, if you're in a place of visibility, be careful. Because when God is moving, it's easy to want to be noticed. It's like, man, if I was up on that worship team, I've got a good voice. I'll show them how I can sing. That's going to be awesome. Friends, you're not going to be on the worship team. Not till that changes. Right? Yep. That's right. So you got to be careful. Greed will raise its ugly head in all kinds of devious ways. Be on the lookout for greed. Drop dead theology. That's what Ananias and Sapphira had. How do you like that in the church today? You ever have somebody say, I wish it was like the book of Acts. I wish we could go back to the early church. No, you don't. No, you don't. Pastor Cheryl's taking up the offering. You mess up? Oh, boy. That's what was going on. That's how, that's how real it was, friends. That's crazy cool. The Spirit of God was moving. All right. Why do I want to serve? Let's check our motives at the door before we do anything for God. Let's check our motives at the door. Why do I want to be on the worship team? Why do I want to be an usher? Why do I want to be a greeter? Why do I want to get up here with a microphone? Let's check our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? Amen? Be careful. And the final one, I saved this one for last. This one might hurt. You ready? Smile at me. <laughs> the final thing 
at least this is the final thing I have for us today. We could have a list a mile long of things that will keep you from God. I just wrote down the ones that the Lord gave me for this morning. But the final thing is this, the traditions of men. The traditions of men can keep you from a move of God. I mean, on the surface, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I love tradition. Traditionally, every Christmas, we do certain things. We decorate the house. We put up a tree. Those kind of traditions are pretty cool. We have traditions in church. But the traditions of men can keep you from receiving a move from God. And just as a side note, well, let's read this first. Let's go to Matthew 15. Let's see what Jesus said about traditions. Jesus is a smart guy. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the traditions, there's the word, of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. That seems like it's a pretty good thing to me. Should wash our hands, right? But they were trying to catch him. Jesus was too smart. What did he reply? And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? They're probably starting to sweat a little bit here. For God said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his mother or father, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is no longer, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. I, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Man, Jesus went right to the heart of the matter. These guys were not happy with him. This happened constantly with the religious leaders of the day. Remember what happened? It didn't end good for Jesus because he showed him the truth. The traditions of men. Let's get back to the book of Acts. Read one more portion. Let's go to, uh, let's see, Acts 6. Acts chapter 6. Wonderful passage of scripture. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, remember the church was growing by thousands. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order for us to wait on tables. In other words, there were things going on in the church. There was all this growth going on. You know, problems are going to come up. Things are going to happen that need a hand of guidance. And there's 12 apostles, and this church is growing like crazy. You know what? They needed some help. They wanted to uh, be able to pray 
and minister in the word. So what did they do? Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Wise counsel. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmeshani, Parmeshan, no. You can laugh at me. I can't say some of these names. That's where Parmesan cheese came from. No, no, it's, it's, it's Par- Parmenus and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Jerusalem. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and they laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly again and a large number of priests. Well, that is cool. Even the priests became obedient to the faith. God was moving. The priests were getting saved. That's pretty awesome. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called. The freedmen. Oh, yeah. These guys were important. (laughs) Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. One of the guys who was waiting on the tables and doing the practical ministry, these guys could not stand up to him. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy, against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders of the teachers of the law. They seized him and they brought him before the Sanhedrin and they produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs. There it is. Customs that Moses handed down, the traditions and the customs that they've always lived with. Seems like a good thing. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw his face shining like an angel. Look this way. If my face was just starting to glow right now and shine like an angel, and this whole room and everybody in here could see it, would that impact you? It would impact me if it, was, if it was your face shining. His face is shining like an angel. There's a major move of God going on right here. And these guys could not see it. Let's stop there. And by the way, that little side note I was going to mention, don't let manifestations get in your way of what God wants to do in your life. What do you mean by manifestations? I don't know. Anything that you're not used to in church. Well, why is that lady up front shaking? I've never seen that before. Just get over it. <laughs> God is, on, is all over her, and he's, and he's moving in her life, and she's shaking. Well, I've never seen that. Is that in the Old Testament? I, I don't see it. 
I don't see shaking like that. I hope you're sitting next to Paul at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Someday when we're all in heaven, you're sitting right next to Paul. You'd be like, Paul, did a light really come down from heaven and blind you? Did a light really come down? Did something like scales really form on your eyes? Did those scales later fall off and you could see again? And your life was changed? I told the first service, it was, if that would have been me, if I would have been Paul, or it was Saul at the time, he became Paul, if I would have had something like that happen to me and those scales fell off my eyes, I would have saved them. Look what God did. <laughs> right? Doesn't say what happened to him. I don't know if they, what happened to him. I have a friend who was in a meeting down south. And, and when the preaching of the word was going on, the glory was so strong. There was like, uh, all they could determine later, it was like manna. It was like bread appearing. It was just fall. It fell right in his lap. And I know this guy. He's sound. He had, he had pieces of this white bread stuff. It was all over the place. He put it in his Bible and brought it home. Eventually, it just disappeared. That's a manifestation of God's presence. Don't let that stand in the way of what God wants to do in your life. Yeah, I would have taken those scales and put them in a little cup. <laughs> a little percussion instrument. <laughs> Andrew, I could have been on the worship team. I, yeah, uh, it's fun to have fun, amen. God doesn't mind when we laugh a little bit. Paul, I'll see you someday. Sorry, buddy. But traditions of men. We're getting ready to close up pretty quick. Not yet, but pretty quick. Paul, happened to him. I don't see that in the Old Testament. Let's go back to Acts again. Chapter 7, one more time. Taken up where we left off. Remember, Stephen had been seized, and he's sitting there, and his face is shining like an angel. Pretty good sign something's going on. If you ever glow, something's going on. <laughs> now, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but uh, Peter gives a speech. And he talks for a long time. He goes 50 verses. And basically, he just uh, he gives this big discourse to the Sanhedrin. These are the big shots, remember? And basically, he tells them, he, he basically tells them again their own history, just like Peter had done back in the other chapter. Gives them their own history. He gives them an Old Testament survey of what's taken place so far. And they knew it was, it was spot on. He tells them about Abraham and the patriarchs and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Aaron and the golden calf. He talks about Joshua and David and Solomon, all these people in the Old Testament. He gives them the whole nine yards. Not only does he give them the whole history of their lives and their ancestors, he does it very nicely. It doesn't say he was grouchy or it doesn't say that he... You know, he read him the riot act, like this is where you came from. He, it says he just read him the history very nicely. Remember, he's glowing this whole time. Oh, 
I wonder if they were listening. Friends, they let the traditions of men dictate to them from what God wanted to do and to keep them from it. They were so into the traditions, they missed what the tradition led to, Jesus. All of this, all of the Old Testament was leading to Jesus. It was leading to Jesus, and they missed it. I'm not saying I wouldn't have missed it. A lot of us would be like, yeah, those guys missed it. You know what? If we were there, truthfully, I don't know, but I've been any different than them. What if? What if? They killed him. They stoned him. God's oracle of the hour. They stoned him. What if? What if these Pharisees would have listened to Stephen? Said, man, this guy, he's speaking truth to me right now. What if, what if they would have listened and said, okay, Stephen, what must we do? And Stephen could have gone on and said, repent of your sin and be baptized. Same thing Peter did. And you know what? These Sanhedrin, their lives would have been turned upside down. They would have been saved. They would have been set free from the traditions of men. It would have been awesome. And maybe another 5,000 could have got saved, but they didn't listen. Are we listening this morning? Be very careful saying that's the way we've always done it. Listen to me. This is for somebody here. Be very careful if that's you. That's the way we've always done it. It's the way we're going to do it forever. Really? That's the way the Spirit moves here. He's just a gentle dove. Ain't got no shaking going on. Friend, I've shook. Violently. He still does that. It didn't hurt. It was awesome. But he still does that. I shook at a gas station so much once I couldn't get the tank, the nozzle in my gas tank for like 15 minutes. Try to explain that to your wife when you get home. <laughs> I couldn't get gas, honey. The Spirit of God was moving on me. I've, I've shaken at times that you wouldn't, I would, I, I didn't believe it. The Spirit of God is so wonderful. Sometimes he needs to shake us to get, get our attention, amen? So be very, be very careful about not saying that. Well, I don't like this new music. It's too loud. I usually sit up front in that same seat I've sat in for the last 47 years, and, you know, the music's just too loud, Pastor Andrew. Can you turn it down? Or can't we sing this song? Because I really like that one. See, when I got saved back in 1970, that song meant a lot to me. So can't we sing that song? Things change. We need to get over it. I'm sorry. We'll sing it once in a while. I don't know why I said that. Somebody needed to hear it. <laughs> I don't like this new look in the lobby. When I come in, I, just, I don't even recognize this church anymore. It's all different. I don't know about that. Get over it. <laughs> God's moving. And there's, there's talented and wise people making decisions. Becky, why don't you uh, come up? I'm going to close.
Friends, we have to be careful. I'm so glad. Hear me now. I'm so glad. And if you're watching online, I'm so glad I broke free. So glad. My life changed when I gave my heart to Jesus. I was full of religion. I knew everything. I knew how to do all that stuff. I was raised in, in religion, but it never took in my heart. So when I gave my heart to the Lord by that river, all by myself, after I'd heard the gospel the day before, man, God flowed into my life. I'd been sober for over a year, free from all that stuff, drugs, drinking. My whole life was consumed with that, by the way, for a long time. I finally, I finally got some help and treatment, and then I was hanging on. There was no way I was going back to that. I was hanging on. But you know what? I wasn't free. I still wasn't free. I just substituted something else. When Jesus came into my heart, it all changed. Tears. Tears. That's probably why I had to be alone. I knew the stuff I had to get rid of. And I just poured it out to God. I said, Lord, it's yours. It's all yours. I, I receive you. I receive you. Good news. He still does that. Some traditions are good. There's even a good kind of religion if it's real. The guy who shared the gospel with me, or the, the group of people, the day before, he said, after you, uh, he must have known I was at the, on the edge. He goes, ask God to do something for you. Ask God to do something for you. I was, I was brand new. I didn't know any of this stuff. And I said, God, if you're real and this is really happening to me, I felt I knew something was going on. I cried a gallon of tears, poured out my heart. And then I said, God, if you're real, would you take away this compulsion to drink? Hadn't drank in over a year. Hadn't used anything. I said, if you can, because I'd heard he could do that. Shoo. Gone. 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 All clean. Brand new. Brand new. Some of you are not. You know what I'm talking about. It's happened to you too. Brand new. You give your heart to Jesus, he makes you brand new. He cuts through all the junk. Yes, Lord. Amen. I'm so glad I didn't have a what if. What if, Everett? What if I wouldn't have gone out to that river? What if I, what if I wouldn't have been at that, that meeting where they talked about Jesus and the gospel? What if I would have missed it because my heart was hard or I was busy or it was sounded religious, so I'm not going anywhere near that. I'm so glad I didn't have a what if. I'm so glad, Don, I didn't have a what if. We're closing. We're good. Never would have met my wife. Never would have met my wife. She wouldn't have had nothing to do with me. 
where I came from. Believe me, God changed me. But if I would have had a what if and not, not listened, not softened my heart, not given up my traditional fixes and just held tight, I would have missed God. I would have missed God. We don't want to miss God, do we? Let's just say, let's just say July 14th, 2019, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, they're up in heaven. The Father turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, let's pour out on the little kids today. Well, that's different. How about the adults, Father? Nope. Just the kids. And the Holy Ghost is poured out downstairs. And the little ones are prophesying and crying tears of joy and witnessing. And their lives are changed. God does that. God will touch little kids. He'll revive them. Well, that would be different. I've never seen that before. That can't be God. Yes, it can. Let's go down and uh, let's go down and touch that dry old crusty church over on the corner. Hasn't had life in it for 50 years. Let's go down there, Jesus. Let's pour out in them. Let's see what they do. Let's try one more time. He's doing that. He's still trying to do that. Somebody's heart's pounding. Let's go down to that church over there in Siren. They got some pretty good life going on there. But uh, you know what? You know what, Jesus? I see somebody sitting there and they haven't received you yet. Let's go down there today. Let's see if today's the day they say yes to me. How many times will it take? I remember the Pensacola outpouring down in Brownsville in Florida. Huge move of God. Huge. I mean, that's really my only reference to a corporate revival. People from all over the world came to an Assembly of God church in Pensacola. Millions of people came through the doors. I think it was like five million over the course of years. I don't know, five, whatever, 10 years. And I don't know how many gave their hearts to God. I'm pretty sure it was over a million, if I remember right. Healings, lives transformed. So we went down there. I was one of those guys that's like, where, what? God's doing what? God does that? Watch some videos. It was like, my goodness, God is still real. So we drive down to Florida. It's a long ways to go to Florida on vacation. Saw some things. Heard all these stories. You shouldn't be going there. Friend, I didn't see anything weird. Give me a couple manifestations for the salvations that occur. Thousands of people running to the altar. And all the evangelists said was, get the sin out of your life and God will change you. That's what people went there for. Really, that's, that's why people went there. And it can happen here. But at that same time, many were unaware or uninterested in what was going on. They just didn't care. 
they didn't want to hear about it. There were too many manifestations. By the way, I never saw anything. I never saw anything that bothered me one bit. You take a drug-addicted person, alcohol-soaked for 30 years, put them in the presence of God, you'll manifest too. You'll shake too. You get introduced to the blood of the blood of the Lamb. You'll shake too. You'll cry. You'll groan. Well, we don't do that here, really. Jesus, send your fire. Send your fire. I'm sure Pastor CJ and Cheryl would approve of what I'm going to say. I would bet they'd rather deal with a little wildfire than have no fire at all. Come on. A little wildfire than no fire at all. The Spirit of God is here this morning, just like He is all the time. Nothing's changed, just a different mouthpiece. Spirit of God is here, and he's hovering. He's hovering. He's moving amongst us right now. Would you close your eyes with me? We're going to pray, and then we're going to leave. I just want to pray for you. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never entered into God's kingdom, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, if you've never done that, maybe something I've said today, maybe something God's doing in your life right now is speaking to you. Maybe your heart, maybe God's knocking on your heart. Maybe you realize that, you know what, I missed something back when I thought I came to the Lord, but, you know, I don't know I've ever had any of this happen. I don't, I didn't know that I crucified him. If that's you and you've never given your heart to the Lord, I want you to just be bold and raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you. If you've never done that, we love you. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to join God. If you're here and that's you, and you want to give your heart to God, all the excitement that comes with that. I'll pray with you. Maybe you're here and you've just realized, you know what, I've been kind of closed. I've been closed to a move of God. I didn't know that he wanted to move. I thought everything was cool. I mean, I'm happy. Mine and, mine and ours are happy. Maybe you realize there's some, still some room in your life for some more fullness of God. I already see that hand. There's hands going up before I even ask. If you're here and you need more of God, I want to pray for you. Hands. Hands. I see that hand. I see that hand back there. I see that. I see those hands. God sees your hand. Truth be told, probably all of our hands should be up. Mine's up. 
my hands up. I got filled up yesterday. I need some more today. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Father, I thank you for each hand that was raised. I thank you for the hunger that you give, Lord. I thank you that you still move and you want to move in individuals' lives. I thank you that you want to revive us. I thank you that you want to renew us. See, God wants it more than we do. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, right now, by your spirit, in your name, move on those who raise their hand. Actually, Lord, just move on all of us. We need you right now. We need a fresh touch from God. Move, spirit. Move. Move this afternoon. Move this, move this evening. Wake us up in the night hour. Move tomorrow at work when I'm normally having a terrible Monday. Move in my life. I make room for you, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. God bless. God's moving. Get ready. He wants to revive us. Well, we are dismissed, but you don't have to rush out. You want a fellowship. If you need prayer, individual prayer, and you want prayer, you come up to the front here and we will pray for you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.